Intentional Moms, you're listening to the Practically Speaking Mom podcast. The Practically Speaking Mom happens to be my mom, Val Harrison. I'm Abby, and I'm kid number six in our family. I am a college student now, but we recorded this series before I moved. Mom and I have been sharing with you my top three favorite books on the topics of knowing your value, leading your heart, and navigating relationships. Last time, in episode 156, we looked at my third book pick, Quest for Love. This week, we are discussing my second book pick, Girl Defined, God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity. The following podcast, due to the topic, does mention a couple of words, very low-key, but we wanted to give you a heads up, just in case you don't want to explain those words to younger kids. Before we jump into our episode, I wanted to tell you that I'm currently reading another book by the same authors as Girl Defined. It is called Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart. I would highly recommend it for your older teens or adult daughters. Here's what the back cover describes this book. For the modern Christian woman living in today's sexually charged society, embracing God's design for sex and purity can often feel like an impossible pursuit. They might even begin to question whether God's design is truly good. They wrestle with questions like, What is the purpose of my sexuality? What does it mean to pursue purity? Are my sexual longings good or bad? In this encouraging book, Kristen Clark and Bethany Beale share honestly about their own struggles and victories and invite women on a personal journey to discover and reclaim a biblical vision for their sexuality. Kristen and Bethany help women understand why God's design for sexuality is good, relevant, and leads to true hope and lasting freedom. Okay, well that was some details about the book Sex, Purity, and the Longings of a Girl's Heart, which again would be for older daughters. For today, let's jump into our discussion between myself, Abby, and my mom, Val Harrison. We are discussing the book Girl Defined, God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity. We just wanted you to read several different books on your heart, on dating, on romance, on marriage, so that you could be prayerfully Mm. looking at all of those and letting God formulate your principles that are going to guide you through the decisions of relationships. So does that pretty much sum that up? Yeah, sounds good. And really, I guess it's more than that, because even if you never had a relationship, or if you never got married, the concept of how to really value who you are Mm -hmm. as as a female, Mm -hmm. value who you are as an individual, and not let your emotions run the show. So last time we went over a book by Elizabeth Elliot, Quest for Love, which was Abby's third top choice. We're going over the second one today, which is... Girl Defined, God's Radical Design for Beauty, Femininity, and Identity by Kristen Clark and Bethany Baird. These two also have a podcast that you and I both listen to. It's designed for all ages of females, but I would say it especially, and they're both married with kids, even though they are older than you, mm-hmm. it's still been really applicable, I feel like, to all ages, but especially to high school and young adult girls would really benefit from it. Yeah, well, they talk a lot about biblical femininity. And when I say that, that can be a almost a trigger for a lot of people that biblical femininity means you have to be a doormat or you're just there for bearing children and a lot of lies that devalue 
the greatness of biblical femininity. And not that there's anything unvaluable about being a mom, especially. Right. Oh, absolutely. And they talk <coughs> about that in this book, Girl Defined. It really was, it was an eye opener for me because it showed me that to be a biblical woman of God, I need to be a servant of people, but not a doormat. Like, people can't walk all over me, but I can take the example of Jesus and wash people's feet and serve them. And so the first chapter, or the first section of the book, they go through the lies that have created, I'm not sure if we want to get into this, but like, feminism. Feminism is kind of a different topic, because if you're a radical feminist, it focuses a lot on the the three lies that they say in this book, liberation, independence, and sexual freedom. Let's just unpack those three concepts very briefly, that you said that it begins by telling three lies. So that was liberation Mm -hmm. and what are the other two? Independence and sexual freedom. Yeah. There was a movement called Women's Liberation Movement saying like, Women can do anything men can do. And while I believe that women and men are both equally valuable, they are also different. And so there are some things that women and men do differently. God created us that way. And that is really beautiful in its own way. And we can be strong women. Like I'm a very confident person and I don't back down super easily, but that can be part of God's design for women. And I think since you brought it up, I'm just going to throw this in there that it was important to have a movement that brought the value of women up. Yeah. That gave them the right to, to vote and, mm-hmm. and just all, all kinds of things. There needed to be some cultural shifts there. But what often happens are pendulum swings. Mm-hmm. You know, when something is misaligned, not correctly placed, then often the movement that brings it out of that pendulum swings it way over to the other side. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like what we're seeing is the feminist movement almost has said men are unnecessary. Men are not valuable. Let's shame men. It's sort of like that movement has become extreme to replace same problem different set of people. And so that's unfortunate. Right. And so the next one is about independence. And a lot of times I hear so often, like, we are strong, independent women or something like that, which is we are strong. And I prefer the word interdependent because we still need other people. We still need men in the world. We can't be totally independent because that is a lie of the enemy to say that we don't need other people. And you can be a strong woman without being independent. Maybe America is way worse at this than than the rest of the world, even in this concept of independence. And we see it throughout society, not just a men and women thing. For example, as a young adult, I very much remember thinking, I do not want to need my parents Mm. in any way. Mm. And there's some good to that in that we've got to be strong enough to create our own households and and make our own decisions and all that kind of stuff. But the fact is, I grow from blessing you. Mm -hmm. You grow from blessing me. We actually do need one another. And that is a good thing. The Bible describes it as we're like all a body of different parts. And that's about the body of Christ is each of us have different roles and different beneficial aspects Mm -hmm. to us, Mm -hmm. but we really do need one another, whether we're talking a mother and daughter or whether we're talking a husband and wife or whether we're talking friends, we should not be independent, separate, 
alone. Right. Well, even that passage in the Bible talks about why should the eye be saying it's more important than the mouth for what would the eye be without the mouth? Like, if if you saw something but couldn't speak out against it, then what good would that do? So you really do need each other because, like, I have different gifts than my mom has, and we are better together. I definitely feel like I came into marriage and had really been fed a lot of the negative things about, well, honestly, TV had a big influence on my perception of how to treat my husband. And I treated Rich really badly for a long time, condescending and very independent acting and not at all trying to unify with Mm. him, you know, so that we could be a true partnership where we both honor one another and care for one another. I wasn't good at that. What I'm saying is that, and I think what you're saying too, is seeking a balance of we can honor it. We don't have to dishonor men in order to recognize Mm, that women are honorable. We're valuable, but that doesn't mean that men have to be unvaluable. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So the last lie of worldly femininity is sexual freedom. And as I was going through this chapter, looking at some of the examples they gave, one of them was so relevant because I had literally heard friends say this. I think I was, I was at a swim party with a friend and she was like wearing a bikini and she was telling me about it. She was like, she was like, I just got confident enough in my body that I just am willing to show it off. So like sexual freedom, being confident enough in yourself to like show it off, like got it flaunted or whatever. That's the thing people say. It doesn't show yourself respect, even though the world could view it, I guess, as respecting yourself. That is not who God created us to, well, I guess (laughs) post-fall, we are supposed to be modest. And that is part of respecting ourselves. That is part of respecting our body. I guess this is another example of the pendulum swing thing. Mm -hmm. Do we want to think that our femininity is bad? And so we have to just be embarrassed that we have female curves? Of course not. Scripture says to honor certain parts of your body Mm -hmm. with special respect. And so special respect doesn't mean share it with the whole world. Mm -hmm. It means this is valuable. And so I am, am saving this part of me for a valuable relationship, a committed relationship where someone else values me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's who I share me with. Mm. That's good. You, you value you enough to treasure yourself. Yes. Okay. Well, what else is this? That goes right along with the six questions of a heart, but you also have to answer it for yourself to yourself. That's good. Okay. (laughs) Anyways, so we've touched on a lot of sensitive issues in this. Biblical femininity and just biblical sexuality is really a hard topic for a lot of people. And I'm sorry if you've been hurt by the church through this topic. I'm sorry if you've not been taught well because of this. And we, in these short 20-minute time slots, it is hard for us to touch on everything. And so obviously there is some stuff that we left very obscure of what our thoughts were on it. Um, And I'm sure that either me or my mom would love to have a longer conversation if you want to reach out to us. But some of the stuff we did not get fully into and we did not clarify all of the stances that could have been and everything that the opposition could have said against it. And so know that we are doing our best to pursue Christ in this and glorify God through this. And we love you so much. And let us know if you need anything or, you know, 
just to chat about this. The next section in the book talked about what a biblical woman looks like. So the three things are she helps others, she produces life, and she nurtures relationships. She helps others. She is not she's not a doormat, like I keep saying, but she is a servant just like Christ was a servant. And if Christ thought it valuable enough and took on that humility and saw it as an attribute of God, then we don't have to be ashamed to be humble servants. We don't have to see ourselves as less valuable because we are a humble servant. Christ was a humble servant and he told us to be servants like him. The fact that we as women are called to do that and and men too are supposed to be servants. That's something I was going to add here is just because a book written to women says serve others. Yeah. It doesn't mean men don't need to. Right. The book is not saying men don't need to serve. Women need to serve. Right. That's not at all what it's saying. All of us are called to do that because that's how you have a healthy relationship. Yeah. A healthy relationship requires that I care about you. Right. I might um, want to be just totally selfish in all of my things, but if I remain only focused on what I want in life and what I want in that relationship, mm. I'll never really get to experience the amazing relationship that's just there waiting to be experienced. Mm. But it only can happen when it's people who care deeply enough about the other, enough to be sacrificial, yeah. enough to be generous, enough to be cherishing, enough to be protecting, enough to be all of the things that that other person needs. Mm-hmm. And if that other person is doing that too, wow. I mean, I've experienced relationship both ways because in our early marriage, Rich and I were not good at that. And then we realize, whoa, if we don't fix this, we won't have this. Mm. And so then we decided to do it really from a Christ perspective of how you treat a relationship. And it changed everything. And it made our relationship just indescribably better. We have to, as parents, not be afraid to teach our kids the truth that it's important to serve one another. Okay, what else is in there? The second truth of biblical woman is she produces life. And that not only means physical life, but also even as a single woman, you are producing life fruit for the kingdom of God. We have a specific role to produce life in a way that a man cannot. This book, along with another book, kind of changed my mindset on motherhood. Sorry, rabbit trail real quick. Before, I, I know it's silly, but like I had kind of set my mind. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be good, be a good mom. So I just don't want to have kids, which is kind of dumb. I was like 16 <laughs> with thinking that. Um, and I read this book about how that is really where your ministry starts, um, where your ministry is raising kids. And that is part of a woman's role in this world is producing life and nurturing that life. And it's kind of changed my mindset on like, that is such a beautiful job that we get to do. Like you get to walk with your kids through the hills and valleys. I just want to speak to actually, I did not plan on having kids. Even when we got married, my plan was that I would have no kids because I did not see myself as nurturing at all. I honestly didn't like kids. I didn't enjoy being around them. And God really began changing my heart and perspective on that as well. And Then once I did start having kids, 
that is when God really began shaping me as a person. You know, I was a very self-centered and headstrong, harsh person. And one of the greatest refinements was being a mom for my kids' sake. They deserved a better person to nurture them than I was. And so this process of transforming then um, it does lead to, to many mm. other ministries. And we can say, oh, well, I, I want to go have this job. Okay, great. God equipped all of us women with different skills and abilities and life purposes and roles and all that, that good stuff. Each one of our lives is going to look different from the next person. But that doesn't have to negate that we have been given this great gift if, and actually scripture says if for a, a woman who doesn't bear her own children, that she's the mother of many more children, mm. that even single women, that if they are, I mean, you're, you're being mentored by a single mm-hmm. woman and what an important role that yeah. plays in your life. You have had several great mentors in your life that mm-hmm. have all been single women. Yeah. And what an important role that is. And so they have lots of children that yeah. they're mentoring. And that is the kingdom of God. Right. That is what we're to be. We're to be giving and receiving from yeah. one another all the time. Yeah. So yeah, income can be a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Income has been a part of my life the whole time I've been a mom. And it can be an enjoyable part of your life. Yeah, uh, that's true. A, a meaningful yeah, part that, yeah. that we do affect the world in those other ways. But that doesn't mean that that is as valuable as the lives that we touch, mm. whether it's our kids or whether it's the people at church or whether it's our neighbor next door. That's the more primary and important right. roles that we have in life. And that's so important. Just you talking about like my mentor and mentors I've had over the years have taught me how to love younger girls well and mentor them well and teach them well. And that is something I would never give up. That's true. Now you mentor a lot of girls as well. And so they're like your, you know, spiritual children. Right. And well, you're that's nurturing what, them. Yeah. And, and that will be valuable whether you ever become a wife or whether you ever became, become a mom or not. That is living out yeah. the role of the body of Christ yeah. to be there for one another. Not only giving life to others, but also teaching them how to go forth and give life to others. So like it's a, it's a cycle. It's mm-hmm. really cool. And that has shown me how even in this season of like, I still have a very big purpose. And that's another thing that the world can tell you, like, your purpose is when you find that right relationship or whatever, or that's only when you can be happy. But really, when you are giving life to others, it really brings you gives you so much life. Well, and you really should not pursue or enter a relationship with a guy until you are there already, Mm. until you are already at a place of joy in your life. Right. Otherwise, then you come together, you know, these two needy, unhealthy Mm. people come together and they become, instead of interdependent, they become codependent. Mm, yeah. And we need to be strong in our relationship with Christ. We need to know who we are as an individual. We need to be pouring into other people's lives. Yeah. We need to be able to receive from other people mm. into our lives. All of these things should be happening before we get in a relationship mm. with a guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Having that maturity to know when 
to be confident enough to insert your own opinion, but also to be caring enough to hear theirs. Yes. And you also don't want that other person to, something I see when kids start dating too young, they're, for one thing, it's a distraction from development, you know, and from experiencing in life and stuff. So there's that. But it's also can often cause them to develop incorrectly in that they are just wanting to to metamorphose into whatever that other person wants or whatever it mm. takes to get a guy. Mm. And so they lose who they're supposed to truly be becoming right mm. now. So Oof. Yeah. I've seen that. Yes. I've seen that in many friends, unfortunately. But but there is one friend that comes to mind. She's she's dated a couple guys, but she was such a confident person in who she was. And even after she was done dating these guys, she was still confident in who she was. That I really respected that because she was like able to be who she was, whether she was with a guy or not. I know we need to be wrapping it up, but I feel like we've only gotten through about half of this book. What else is has been important to you from this book? Well, the, the last part is choosing to become a girl defined by God and how to walk that out. Maybe we'll be able to cover that sometime in the future. The next book that we'll be looking at is called Lady in Waiting, Becoming God's Best While Waiting for Mr. Right. Moms, I hope you enjoyed our discussion. Next week, we wrap up this series by discussing my top pick for girls who are growing their self-worth and establishing principles about relationships. That top pick is Lady in Waiting, Becoming God's Best While Waiting for Mr. Right. A little newsflash, moms. This book is not about thinking that a girl's life begins when a romantic relationship begins. Just the opposite. It's a book about realizing that there is so much for us to do in life right now. Before guys, we want to be growing in so many key ways. In this book, it covers becoming a lady of reckless abandonment, diligence, faith, virtue, devotion, purity, security, contentment, conviction, and patience too. We've got a lot to do. We will talk about it next week on the Practically Speaking Mom podcast. Well-intentional friends, guess what? Emma and I have a little something for you too. Emma is my youngest daughter and she and I did a series on this similar topic, but from a middle school perspective in episodes 131 and 132. And when we made those episodes, Emma and I put together a Spotify playlist about self-worth and identity. And I'm going to have a link to that Spotify playlist in the show notes, along with some former episodes. I'll have links to those as well on this topic of guarding your child's heart. You've been listening to the Practically Speaking Mom podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't and share it with a friend. If it's been a blessing to you, it might be a blessing to them. See you Monday. Monday.